Welcome to Using Our Library Voices, a podcast made by the Harris County Public Library for you. My name is Nicole. I'm a library service specialist from Octavia Fields Library in Umble. At HCPL, our purpose is to serve and inform our communities. In this special episode, we'll be talking about the upcoming 2020 election. This election is going to be historic for more than just the turnout, and we want to do our part to educate and inform the people of Harris County about the election process. This is a great time for people of all ages to get more information about voting, whether they're experienced voters, first-time voters, or future voters. My name is John Harbaugh, Assistant Branch Manager at Parker Williams Library. In Gabbing with Librarians, our HCPL staff will talk a little bit more about some of their favorite fictional leaders. Hi, I'm Jennifer Finch, Branch Manager at the Spring Branch Memorial Library. After our Gabbing with Librarians segment, we have a special clip from What Does That Even Mean? Another HCPL podcast made by Nicole and Gabby from Octavia Fields. In it, they'll give tips and tricks for first-time and experienced voters as they head out to the polls. If you've got little ones with lots of questions, John, Jennifer, and Molly will give you some picture book recommendations to enjoy with the future voters in your life. We're so pleased to have you with us. Now let's get started. As Americans, we are all looking for strong leaders that are going to do the right thing for us. We look to see these people in our media as well. Let's hear who are some of our favorite fictional leaders. Hi, I'm Jennifer. This is Molly. Hi, I'm Molly. I'm from Crosby. And Leslie. This is Leslie. And Kelly. Hi, I'm from the Curiosity Cruiser. So let's get started talking about our favorite leaders. There are so many great leaders in our different types of media. I mean, we can go really far back and talk about King Arthur. And I think Kelly was actually going to talk about King Arthur. And we can also talk about President Morgan Freeman in the recent movie, Angel Has Fallen. I know one of my favorites is President Bartlett from the West Wing series. He's just so fatherly and kind, but at the same time, he has his faults. He's prideful, and he's also scared to push it too far and mess with the voters, and he is protective of his presidency, and he's afraid to go too far sometimes, which leads to him falling and not doing as well. But all of these things, it just makes him an even better leader. But he also doesn't let the voters know everything that they do need to know. In the later seasons, he does have MS, and he doesn't think that the voters kind of deserve to know all of the information there. He chooses to keep it private. So do leaders have an obligation to give all the information to their constituents? Well, it all depends on whether you think should a medical condition such as multiple sclerosis keep you from becoming president? Is that something the voters really have the right to know? For him, it was a private medical condition that he was diagnosed with before he became president. And I believe he took a censure from Congress in that because he did not disclose that before the election. It was interesting in the series that they did that because you had him, you really liked him, and then you found out he kept this huge secret. And it was, you could understand where he was coming from, that He kept the secret because he knew that he would not become president if he disclosed it. But at the same time, the voters kind of had the right to know. Not to get too real world about it, but we have an actual history of how much politicians' personal lives is known by the public. But I think that's probably why the 
the West Wing still holds up a lot because it incorporated things into the show that aren't strangers to us. I think within the last decades, for sure, we've seen an increase of how much of a leader's personal life we know. I think even going back really far, even back to King Arthur, he was hiding from his whole kingdom the fact that he didn't I mean, he didn't want to have a kid. He couldn't have a kid with Guinevere. And so that undermined his rule to not address it and bring it forth and say, hey guys, I'm going to choose my successor in this way. So I think transparency makes for the best leader, but in these fantastic leaders that everyone really adores, they're not wholly forthright to everyone that they govern. Oh, I've been thinking about Robin Hood, and I love the story of Robin Hood. And he's one that, while born into some nobility, was not necessarily a leader, but was kind of became a leader. And one of those those traits that we were talking about is that he was fair and honest as much as he could be in his circumstances. And he did care about the people. And, you know, for women, didn't matter if you were noble or, or peasant, all women were to be respected and people were treated fairly. He did like to tease and play, but he it was always in good fun and he was always honest. And I think that's something that we really respect in leaders are just honest and genuine concern and kindness. I think for me, what appeals to reading about leaders um, is the complexity of leadership, kind of. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see that in two of my favorite leaders and actually two of my favorite characters from the series of Song of Ice and Fire, Jon Snow and Cersei Lannister who are very different in terms of characters. Flawed in different ways. I will say, though, you Game of Thrones only watchers, like, you'll never know that Jon Snow had a brain. Okay, he was smart. (laughs) (laughs) He was smart. Yeah, pretty Um, nice, though. Well, that's true. Even in the book, they comments on that. But um, (laughs) Jon's flaws as a leader are a lot due to youth, kind of, and the fact that he's dealing with an, well, not unprecedented disaster because ice zombies have been a thing in Westeros before. But he's 17 in the books when he has to take this on, which is a lot younger than Shojan. He's a lot better at it, too, because he had a brain. But he's really the first one to, to tackle what the vow that they take means, which is, I am the sword in the darkness. I am the watcher on the walls. I am the fire that burns against the cold, the light that brings the dawn, the horn that wakes the sleepers, the shield that guards the realms of men. He's really the first one to say... What are wildings if not men? People are people regardless of where they're from. And it's like the hallmark kind of, like this is what he will be known for. John will always be known for, however short his turn as Lord Commander, for being the one who passed the wildings over the wall. And there's a lot of other ways he's a truly great leader, but it's that innate belief that you're responsible for all people. Like that is your job. That, that's what you took on. That's what makes him a truly great leader. And then you can contrast that to Cersei, who is a horrible leader, and I love her. She's so bad. Like, you think you know, like, you think she's bad in the show. Oh, my gosh, she's so much worse in the books. Books are she's smart, but it's this innate selfishness that she possesses and inability to relate to people or to recognize that if you are in a position of power, you have that power because it's your job to care about People, it is your responsibility. How is she a good leader? She's not good. She's awful. Oh. She's awful in every way. She alienates her allies, is suspicious of everybody, paranoid, 
though her paranoia isn't always completely off. But basically, quick summation, in the series, Westeros owes a lot of money to different financial institutions. They're massively in debt. And one of them is to the fictional version of the Catholic Church. So they they owe a lot of money to their church, and in exchange for getting them to bless her son's rule, Tom, and she's like, well, I'll forgive your debt and let you rearm yourself. So now she's allowed a religious militia to form. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's obviously um, not something we want to idealize too much. But then too, it's like uh, her her flaws as a person are directly connected to her flaws as a leader. Are there any other leaders that we absolutely love, but they're actually terrible? Some of the funnest most interesting characters, I think, are, are the villains. And most of them are in a leadership position of their own little evil world. But they're fun and interesting characters. Yeah. <laughs> and, but not ones we want to emulate. But it's interesting to think that they are doing things that they consider to be right, but are not for the rest. Well, that is true. I mean, a lot of these leaders, they do leave their legacies. And their legacies are what we judge them on. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, they're like... Our real political leaders are judged based on their legacy, be it Lincoln or Kennedy, the U.S., or if you look at Churchill or Gandhi or even Hirohito from Japan. And I'm sure there are some other really great leaders that I'm not thinking of at the moment. You can also look at, like, the negative and Legacies, Andrew Jackson, yes. Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> Just, yes. Um, like, we, it, it does, we judge a leader with hindsight, Kind of a lot of the times, yeah. I feel. And so that just makes knowing what you want to do with your vote all that more important. Picking who you want to lead your city, country, state, and country for the first time can be exciting and nerve-wracking. I didn't know what to fully expect when I first went to vote, not to mention what you need, how you learn, what you're voting on, and so much more. Nicole, do you have some tips for first-time voters? Absolutely. I've got tips galore. Next up, we've got a clip from What Does That Even Mean? A podcast made by myself and another member from Octavia Fields, Gabby. What should I wear? What should I bring? What happens at the polling place? Gabby and I answer all of these questions and more in the upcoming clip from What Does That Even Mean? Actually, cast my knowledge. So, in the state of Texas, the nice ladies—usually it's ladies—usually, yes, like, but we don't want to be sexist. So no, there's some so things. The, the people, yes, who are specifically with the election commission, not like us who work at the library that just happens to be a polling location, right? So they have like little—they have badges on. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll know who they are. They're official. They're official, like with a <laughs> capital O, little TM, like <laughs> nice. trademark symbol. But they—they they are going to hand you they're going to verify your information they mm-hmm. have like a whole database that they you know they plug they in have little stuff. electronic devices um, yep your driver's swipe. license has like a little barcode on it and mm-hmm. they swipe it if you have your driver's license your state id will also have that mm-hmm. as well but they, they'll, they'll there's a disclaimer in. too i think you have to read a little disclaimer on their little screen mm-hmm. and verify it your information you're not going to cheat right and, and then verify your address stuff. and then you sign and you're voting for yourself and not your yes. um, dearly yeah. departed grandma right and then you sign, you sign the little electronic tablet thing, and they give you a ticket. They give you a little ticket. The ticket is, you put that in, that's the code that you, so they will assign a machine to you. So mm-hmm. this little, it looks like a suitcase with legs and a tent. 
Yeah, they have a little tent on it so nobody cheats and looks at you. Right. Because it is, it is a personal... You know, it is a confidential process. Correct. So nobody's so. supposed to be seeing... That's why you can't take selfies in the voting right. registration. Oh, we should have said that. Well, we just did. Okay. Um, you can't take selfies in the voting registration. You're not allowed to have your phone out during the process of the act... When you're actually at inside of the voting hall, room, wherever the machines are actually kept. And once you step up to the machine, you're not allowed to have your phone out. So, and they have a million signs up about it. And the reason they don't let you take your phone out is because you're not allowed to share your ballot. Correct. It's a confidential process. You're also not allowed to share anybody else's ballot. Mm-hmm. That's why they've got a little tent thing around mm-hmm. the machine. Yes. And then also just as a tip for from somebody who has voted and voted a lot recently in the local elections where there's a bunch of offices to memorize, you are not allowed to, like, let's say you take notes for your candidates and you want to remember who you're voting for for each of the offices you are in, and you take notes on your phone, you're not allowed to take your phone out when you're actually at the machine. But Gabby, how do I know <laughs> who I want to vote for? So many names. So many there's names. so many names. Take a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> Write it. Actually, old school, write it down on a note card or a small piece of paper, and you are allowed to take that. You are not allowed to take the League of Women Voters little newspaper that we were talking about. That is something that I have seen people trying to take that in, and they are told no. So just be aware. It, It can be one piece of paper. It can't be multiple. You can't take your phone out. So just be prepared for that. Know who you're voting for when you get there. Yeah. So just have a list of names. Like, I'm going to vote for this one. I'm going to vote yes on this proposition. Exactly. Yeah. Because it can get confusing. There's a lot of stuff. We're going to be honest. And sometimes there's a lot of stuff, especially on the local ballots. So, and and during the primaries as well. So then the voting workers, election officials will give you a ticket and they will tell you go to booth whatever. When you step up to the booth, at least here in Texas, the last time I voted, I put in my code because that unlocks the machine for me Mm -hmm. so that someone couldn't accidentally walk by and put in a bunch of votes for me before I get there. I think that's the idea behind it. Yeah. So then, oh, do you want to talk about the very super advanced Technology oh my used God. <laughs> actual. Oh. I hate these. <laughs> I hate these voting machines. They have like this little in Texas. They have like this little like it's like looks like a suitcase on legs. It looks yes. um, it makes me sad to look at, and it has like a screen on it mm-hmm. that is like very old school. Yeah, like rounded computer screen. Screen. Yeah, I like those big bubble Apple computers way back in the nineties. This is dating me at least, but and they have like these little wheels. That you use and you click the wheel. Think first generation iPod. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Click wheel. (laughs) And it's just like, I hate it. It's such a Mm non-intuitive like process. Right. I think it's because they don't want you to accidentally click something. I think that's the idea. Like it's... I accidentally click something all the time with that (laughs) stupid touch wheel. So Yeah. I did it this last time and I was like, wait. But you can hit the... Okay. Anyways, the machine... Nicole's not a fan of the voting machines. No, I'm not. Also, you have to touch them, which I don't like. Um, I don't want to touch other people's stuff. Well, I don't want to touch a touch screen that other people have touched. Yeah, whatever. Um, (laughs) We need to bring in a stylist to touch the touch screen. Can you? Well, would they click? I don't know. I mean, I would... Because they don't have a touch screen, so (laughs) I would not know. you can use a stylus to click the wheel. 
Okay, well, if you want to do it the smart way, Gabby, okay? Like, you could use your little ticket that they give you and put your finger on it and spin it that way. <laughs> that's why they give you the ticket. Yeah, that's why they give you the ticket. <laughs> okay. It's not so that you can unlock the machine. So you don't have to touch the Brody touch wheel. <laughs> so I have my ticket. I went up to my machine. I unlocked it. I you, have made my selections for each of the offices. With the terrible touch wheel. With the terrible click wheel touch thing. And then I have submitted my vote. Now what? I'm like, I'm done. You get a little sticker. I get a sticker, which is my favorite part. And then you leave, <laughs> and then mm-hmm. you leave the polling location, and then you can take a selfie with your sticker and Outside. post it on Instagram or whatever. Yep. I usually wait till I get to my car so I don't look like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so that, like, that way nobody gets mad at you because you took a selfie. Mm-hmm. Correct. The vote. voting location. Let's talk about some of the things you can, um, some of the... Not, I guess, etiquette, etiquette, but also just some things that you shouldn't be aware of when you get there, like the campaigners. <laughs> oh God, about. yeah, there are going to be a lot of people mm-hmm. that are outside of the vote. The polling location. They are not waiting to vote. They are not. <laughs> they are trying to Last tell you minute. to vote for mm-hmm. people because unlike you who will be massively informed and when you prepared. get there because you go to, you know, vote 411 or ballotpedia.org or vote.org. So, you know, mm-hmm. you've got your little cheat sheet. Mm-hmm. You know what you're doing. You read the League of Women Voters pamphlet newspaper thingy. <laughs> so you know what you're doing. Other people do not. Yes. <laughs> so there's a bunch of people outside of the polling location, a bunch of people mm-hmm. outside of the polling location yep. cannot be emphasized enough, especially on election day, who are just yes. standing out there and being like, vote for so-and-so or vote for this proposition. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be a million signs mm-hmm. that say vote for whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so many signs. So, so, so many signs. Yard signs is what we Yeah, what like we that the you put in your, put in the ground. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's how you know you're at a polling location. That's yep. actually, that's actually, yeah, like how you can hint. tell. <laughs> they put up signs, like road signs too, but like that's a, you, you're there when you see yep. the thousands of signs. So that's one thing is just be aware that there might be a lot of people don't be, you know, intimidated out or anything don't like that. Don't let them intimidate it is, you. It is normal. It is, it normal. is normal. In Texas, sometimes people, <laughs> post up in the parking lot of the yeah. polling location with mm-hmm. like barbecue. Yes, they will. <laughs> they tailgate. Yep. Um, they just give you food. It is a tailgate. <laughs> they give you food. Um, don't let, even if it's really good barbecue, don't yeah. let them influence. No. You know. I mean, you can take the barbecue. Yeah, and take just the barbecue, not. but just don't tell them <laughs> who you're voting for. Yes, they don't need to know. Etiquette. Let's go back to that. One of, one of the pieces of that was, as we've already discussed, not taking your phone out when you're actually inside the building yeah. and to vote. What would be some, what other what other thing can we not do, I guess, or be aware? Well, right now, social distancing. You can't wear political gear into the polling location. What does that mean? So you can't wear your MAGA hats. You can't okay. wear your Feel the Burn t-shirt. Mm-hmm. You can't wear your Biden 2020 stuff. Okay. It's So basically, I can't wear anything with a political slogan on it. Okay. If you do, they're going to ask you to leave. Can I turn it inside out? I'm sure that you can. Or take it off okay. if it's a hat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was like, I'm not wearing anything under my shirt. Oh, you thought I was talking about this shirt. I mean, I guess you could take off your shirt too, but like, I don't know. It might be a no. I've never seen somebody do that. So it might be a, a no shirt, no shoes, no service kind of thing. Um, but you can turn your shirt inside out and that should suffice and then turn it back in, you know, right side in. Right. When Let's you just leave. Just don't wear a shirt with a political slogan. It's, it's not, I think, I think it's, 
kind of intimidating because it's like there's all these steps involved and there's a lot of paperwork and it is, involved. And it's very too. responsible and it's adult. A, it's in a grown-up activity. <laughs> it, it, it is. But that being said, it is not a super glamorous. No. It's very mundane. It's very... Yeah, it's, it's not dramatic. It's a regular thing to it's do. A, it's a regular thing to do. So don't feel like it is something outside of your wheelhouse. I hope that this podcast has informed you yeah. well enough to at least have an idea. Or your money back guarantee. <laughs> I hope you learned a lot from our previous clip. You can find more information like it in our podcast, What Does That Even Mean? Which is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else fine podcasts are streamed. One last tip, you can take that cheat sheet into the polls, including a piece of paper or your sample ballot, if you have one, and that'll take a lot of stress out of your experience. Now, first-time voters aren't the only ones that can learn about what we do at the polls. Elections can be an exciting yet confusing time for kids as well. There are a lot of big words and grown-up emotions being thrown all around them. Elections can also be a teachable moment that shows the value of voting, expressing your beliefs, and understanding the views of others you may not agree with. We have a few book suggestions to help kids understand what's going on in the world around them. Red and Blue, Donkey or Elephant? Who will you vote for? Vote for Me by Ben Clanton is a picture book that follows donkey and elephant as they try to get your vote. They start off by trying to get your vote with compliments. Donkey starts, hey, you, yes, you, with the great hair and the dazzling smile, listen, you should. An elephant interrupts, don't listen to donkey, you're too smart for that. After telling you that you are number one or super cute, they try and buy your vote. Donkey starts, if you vote for me, I'll give you a sucker. Elephant interrupts, you are a sucker if you vote for him. Besides, if you pick me, I'll give you peanuts. Soon enough, they start slinging insults and mud at each other and forget all about you, the reader. Donkey and Elephant get hurt feelings from all those insults and anger. Donkey says, did you really mean those things you said? Elephant responds, no, did you? They decide to be friends and announce the winner of the election together. And the winner is... You'll just have to find out when you check out Vote For Me by Ben Clanton at your local HCPL branch or online through Overdrive and Libby. Our second book is Grace for President by Kelly DiPuccio and illustrated by Leiu and Pham. Grace was aghast when her teacher revealed the news that there had never been a female president. She decided then and there that she would become president. Her teacher organized a mock election with another class where a boy named Thomas was going to be running against her. He was the school spelling bee champion. His experiments always took a blue ribbon at the science fair, and he was the captain of the soccer team. But Grace wasn't going to give up. She listened to the students and found out what issues they cared about and made a list of campaign promises, then set to work at fulfilling those promises. Each of the students in the two classes represented one of the states and the District of Columbia and would cast their electoral votes on the day of the election. Won the best candidate win, or would this turn into a contest of boy versus girl? Pick up 
Grace for President by Kelly DiPuccio and illustrated by Leo and Pham using our curbside services, recommended for ages 5 to 8. Our final book is Duck for President by Doreen Cronin and illustrated by Betsy Lewin. On the farm, Farmer Brown has a lot of work to do. To make it easier for him, he has given the animals jobs. The pigs have to clean under the beds, the cows have to weed the garden, and Duck has to take out the trash, mow the lawn, and grind the coffee. Duck felt this was very unfair, so he demanded an election on who was going to run the farm. After winning the election against Farmer Brown, Duck found that running a farm was hard work, so he decided to run for governor. But after winning that election, he decides that being governor is tough work. So Duck sets his sights on becoming the president of the United States. But is that what Duck really wants, or would he rather be back on the farm? Find out in Duck for President by Doreen Cronin and illustrated by Betsy Lewin. Available through your local HCPL library. These are only a few of the many, many books about voting for kids in our libraries. Go to our website, www.hcpl.net, to find more.